Well, this next guest is a special one. If you've heard his voice at Placerville Speedway over the Sprint Car Challenge Tour the last few years, you will recognize it. It's Gary Thomas, a fellow colleague and a person who I proudly call a friend. We're going to be talking about his start in publicity, his start in announcing, and as well as some great things as we just have a nice little chat about racing in general. That's coming up next on Dave's Home Supply, getting up to speed after these messages. Dave's Home Supply specializes in cabinets, flooring, and countertops. Visit their website at daveshomesupply.com to look at products, services, financing, and even a free estimate. Are you looking for bookkeeping, payroll, or income tax services? Then check out the folks at For You Simple Bookkeeping. They are a licensed tax preparer throughout the entire United States. For more information, click on the link in the description. This broadcast is brought to you by Meat Freaks Jerky Club. Get the best jerky the world has to offer straight to your door by visiting meatfreaksjerkyclub.com. Pick your box and plan, tell them where to ship, and receive and enjoy. Log on to meatfreaksjerky.com and use promo code SPEED. Well, we've talked to him a lot with Track Talk, but we're going to get to know the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Thomas, GT himself. Gary, great to have you on here again. Thanks for having me on once again, Ben. It's been a fun, uh, fun year, and I always enjoy checking out the podcast and everything. So it's good to be back on uh, once again. I know we got to work with each other a bit this year, which is which is always fun. Mm-hmm. It's been a great year, I thought. You know, I mean, it's it, it seems like it's gone by fast, and other times it seems like it's uh, you know it's kind of dragging on. But we're we're really getting down to the nitty gritty and uh, some of the fun shows coming up. Yeah, kind of the months of money in for California because we've got so much racing basically from you know about Labor Day weekend on till November. Yeah, you know it always seems like back in the day, at least when I was kind of growing up, some of the championship stuff would be settled by uh, by Labor Day, and the end of the season was all you know all the good fun special events. Now nowadays, there's a few um, you know point races left to decide the champions, but. Uh, Nonetheless, it's when all the special shows come and the weather finally cools off, so it, it definitely makes it more enjoyable. Yes, it is. I mean, school's back in session, college football's back, World Series is around the corner. It's got just like a little bit of a different, and as you said, the weather gets a little cooler, Halloween stuff's starting to get a little festive, but that doesn't mean we can't go racing. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, Like I say, uh, I mean, the weather cools down, it kind of brings the folks out and... Uh, you know, it's throughout the years, it's always been at least my uh, more most fun time of the year is always, you know, after Labor Day, once Gold Cup is done all the way through uh, the end of November. Well, we've we've talked about a lot of different events and series and tracks with you, but we're we're going to talk about you individually and your okay. your story. And I guess your introduction to racing, where would you pinpoint that event at? Yeah, so my, my parents went to, you know, races before I was born. So, uh, you know, they actually met at West Capitol uh, Raceway way, way back in the day before I was even thought of. So, you know, when I came along, I've been, uh, you know, went to the first race at Calistoga when I was like six months old and been going ever since. Okay, okay. And then you stuck around, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. You you went and traveled to races as a fan and then one one moment in time you decide you want to start to join the industry yeah so i was you know just a fan my whole life and we were traveling to races and uh i you know met a few people that say you know you got some good thoughts gary maybe you should do you know start doing a little writing and uh started doing a little blog on one of the websites and uh started working with a couple different teams and then 
caught on with, uh, you know, just people, I guess, liking what I was doing and uh, got hooked up with Troy Hennig and George Haig and a few guys. And they said, hey, Gary, why don't we get you up here in the announce booth? Which, uh, you know, for me, it's never something I, I thought of growing up because I was always shy and, mm-hmm. and quiet. Um, you know, it's actually funny. I, I saw Jonathan Allard at the Gold Cup and he was telling Nick Parker that, yeah, this was my first PR guy right here back in the day. And <laughs> told him how I, you know, I never would talk back then. So, you know, me being an announcer now is, is something that, uh, you know, never would have thought when it came to fruition. But, uh, yeah, basically right around 2005, I started doing all that. And uh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, so to, uh, 2005, that's when GT Promotions kind of started? Right around 2005, I think it was. And then I and then I started doing uh, the PR work for the Golden State Challenge Series the next year and doing more stuff with, with Jonathan and the zero team right around that same time. And then I, you know, kind of got hooked up with a few different teams doing their PR work. And, uh, you know, I still do some of that, not as much as I used to, but, uh, it's all fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then announcing that started coming around about what time? I, it was right around 2007. I think it was where, uh, I, the first night I did the infield was at Chico, um, during one of our two day shows, Troy got me down there and I did the, I think we had heat race. We had heat race trophies to present, kind of like we do at the Bradway every year. But uh, that was my first time doing it. And then a couple of years after that is really kind of when I started doing more of the the upstairs announcing. But I was the I was kind of the infield guy there at Chico whenever whenever Troy would need it. Mm-hmm. And which which is kind of crazy because for me, I started as an announcer and then became a writer. But you you took the opposite. That's path, funny. Which does I mean you know it, it it all all roads lead to Rome, right? <laughs> so yeah, and it's funny. It's like you you meet the right people or, or different people down the road, and you get connected with them, and, and you never know where it's going to take you. Well, and something that um, and I'm sure that you can you can agree with this is. You know, you start out a certain way, but you don't stay that way. Whether your style of announcing or writing, it's 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 kind of a ever evolving organism, kind of. Yeah, and it's it's so uh, great with like Facebook memories popping up. Like I'll see some of the old stuff that I did, and I'll read it, and I'll think, "Man, that's terrible." Oh, but uh, yeah. and you know, you watch you watch some of the old uh, grow build tapes from some of the announcers over the years, and I mean, even even guys like Troy and Bobby and and, and guys like that, um, you know where their career started to where they got as the years progressed, they just, you know, you could hear that improvement. And I think it, it's the same with, with all announcers and all writers. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't a world-class bodybuilder on his first. Yeah. Day, no, so. <laughs> no, no, you got to keep working at it. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree with you there. Cause I mean, there were several times I was listening to maybe like one of my, you know, first couple years announcing because mm-hmm. back then, um, I know Grove Hill tapes, they did, they had, uh, you know, they had an input on the mixing board, but back then Mm -hmm. it was all ambient. And, uh, and even like reading some of my first race reports that were even being published in newspapers, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh my, how did I not get fired? Like, (laughs) so, cause back, I mean, you know, and this, this is a perfect question for you. The writing game has changed probably the, the most out of anything. Mm -hmm. It's, It's so different now. Yeah, now it's more, you know, I mean, some of the stuff is, is just, you know, the shorter it can be, probably the better just with, with all the social media things. And, uh, I mean, obviously back then there were there were deadlines to get the, the stories done right after the races, which I know some of the, the publications and websites still want that. But, uh, you know, it, it's funny how it, it really doesn't matter in, at the end of the day what, what time you get the story there, you know, as long as it, as long as it gets out. And, of course, with, with being able to, you know, upload to our own websites and stuff is just totally different than what it what it used to be 20 years ago. Yeah, no, I remember like sometimes 2 a.m. and you're just like 
barely awake and hoping that spell check is is not going to yeah. take a long time and and you know and you know also back in the day too like hoping that your computer doesn't crash and you have to write the story all over mm-hmm. thank god for cloud stuff now and everything but yeah yeah it's crazy and you know just hoping your internet didn't didn't go down or whatever sure back in the day um and that now at least some of that stuff is more reliable so, so it's been a big help sure yeah and um Yes, no, no doubt. And, and, you know, I think because I, I think our fans and this isn't, this isn't a, uh, a, a swerve at them, so to speak, or mm-hmm. a negative comment. I think it's just society as a whole, the amount of information that we can, we can digest and read has changed a lot. I think even in the last 10 years, as technology improves, um, it, it's one of those things where if it if they can't read it within or at least get the main facts in the first mm-hmm. few paragraphs in the first thirty seconds, they're just gonna just gonna scroll keep scrolling. Yeah, I, I think we see that with some of the comments and messages that we get on Facebook. No, no offense to the fans or whatever, but uh, sure. you know sometimes if you have the last of questions, well, it's in the fourth paragraph if you read it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know what it means. Like most of that stuff. Even when it's up front, you know, sometimes it gets missed. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely an ever-changing landscape. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because, like, when when you and I first started writing in the late 2000s or so, it was – you had to basically almost put together, a, no, a, a you know, a novella, like a small book kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And and people love that and everything. Now it's, it's like, no, that's way too long. Uh, yeah. You know – bing, bang, boom. And it, I mean, it makes our jobs a little bit easier because, mm-hmm. you know, being a writer announcer, I mean, for you, how, how was that adjustment? Was that pretty difficult at the first part? Yeah, I think it was, it was different back then. Just, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, there was anxiety going into it and, and trying to learn what to do and how to do it. But, uh, you know, growing up at the racetrack, I, I had always heard people that I enjoyed listening to. So I kind of try to take, you know, some of the stuff they did across over the years. Um, and I, you know, I listened to advice from, from fans and, and, uh, and fellow announcers. And there were, you know, several people that I, I can't even name all of them that, you know, helped me along the way. But, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing now. Nowadays, I think we talked about with the live streaming, um, back then with no live streaming, it's like, man, I should have just been calm, cool and collected because nobody was hearing us when, when the race cars were, you know, when the race cars were on the track. So, uh, it was it was definitely a simpler time back then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, you you kind of could you could you could met, and, and let's just say like we're not talking about you know anything vulgar or anything like that, but you could mess up big time back mm-hmm. in the day, and only maybe a couple hundred people would would be listening, and maybe like ten people would notice, but yeah. but. <laughs> And when I say a big mess up, being like you forgot somebody's sponsor or, Mm -hmm. you know, like you skipped a whole row on, on introductions or something, it stuff happens, right? Right. Now, now it's like, it feels like you're under a microscope all the, all the time, which is -hmm. good and bad, right? Yeah, it definitely, uh, I think it definitely keeps us on our toes more, you know, I mean, I probably put a little more, more thought and, uh. I don't know, do a little more homework than maybe I did when I first started out just because everybody's listening and you see, you see the comments on Facebook and different things about, uh, you know, their preferences on announcers. And I think back in the day, you know, you didn't really hear these guys that are on the national level. Um, you didn't hear them, you know, 70 nights a year. You only heard them when they came to your home track. So 
um, it really is a different a different deal nowadays. Well, and I think what's really cool too, um, you know, like I, I'll sit and listen to a race and stuff, or I'll be driving down the road and listening to a race. And, and again, you know, everyone's under the same microscope and working in the same parameters Mm -hmm. and you, and you listen and it's like, oh man, that guy, he, that was, that was not a correct fact. You know, that was, (laughs) but you know, not, not to be critical or be, be a jerk. It's like, Hey, these guys are making as many mistakes yep. as I am kind of thing. So exactly. it, it makes you kind of not feel good and like, oh my gosh, you know, this guy's a right. screw up, but like, uh, you know, wow. Okay. This happens to everybody kind of thing. Yeah. Th- nobody's perfect. That's, that's definitely what, uh, you know, the more and more you, you listen to different, different races across the country. So, you know, if I make a mistake or whatever, I just think I, whatever, you know, nobody's, nobody's perfect. And it's, this is all about, you know, just having a good time and uh, people are there at the racetrack to enjoy themselves at the end of the day. Well, and it, and streaming has changed too because back in the day, unless you were at a race, right, you never knew what really somebody's style was or anything like mm-hmm. that. You just assumed, oh man, he's still got a job; he must be doing a good job. So, yeah, because you could only hear someone. So even back in the day, you know, obviously the the sound systems weren't even as as nice as they are now. So half the time, you know, everything was muffled. So you yeah. re- and now now with with everything being so clear, you're really even at the racetrack under more of a microscope. Well, and what's really cool with you is you're, you're a part of, you know, with, 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 with the PR that you do, there's also a mm-hmm. marketing aspect to that. And in that game, that game has changed a little bit too, mm-hmm. but, um, but you're in an area in which people absolutely love sprint car racing. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it's definitely sprint car country, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of all the divisions that be, if it's modified or dwarf cars or stock cars, you know, they, they all put on good shows in their own right. But, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I, I now going to sprint car races. So that's, that's certainly my cup of tea. You know, I like all kinds. I like not wing, non-wing midgets, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a wing sprint car guy. Cause that's really what California, Northern California has always been. It's always been wing sprint car country. Mm-hmm. And then, and then just, it seems like the, 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 the amount of talent. And I mean, not to beat a dead horse, right. But mm-hmm. like, just, what we get to watch, I feel like on the West Coast is maybe not recognized a, a, a lot. Well, historically not recognized a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's gaining a lot of traction now, but like we're just so blessed every single week, no matter how many tracks are racing, is just the amount of wealth and talent that are out there on a weekend. Yeah, we really are. You know, I mean, obviously we see the results across the country and see how many. Uh, drivers that started in California are having so much success back there. And uh, I think it's, it's still fun to watch some of these young kids grow up out here because you know that, you know, somewhere down the line, they're going to be making some noise across the country without a doubt. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still hanging on to some of these, these good guys that are kind of in their primes and some are going to be moving on, you know, in the next couple of years, but we keep getting that great crop out of the micros and the uh, outlaw cart ranks. So we are, we're definitely blessed down here on the West coast. Well, and, and, and also, you look at the live streams, whether it's on Speedsport, Flow, Dirt Vision, or any other uh, any other places that mm-hmm. offer. And you watch, and the you know this the the fan support is there, which is great. You know the stands are somewhat full or yeah. really full, which is that's an awesome thing to see because without the fans, this would be so so hard. Yeah, that, that's kind of what we've noticed so far this year is that the bigger events have been just, I mean, smashing home runs 
um, pretty much all season long in California. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely what's going to keep these tracks open. You know, live streaming is, is nice and, uh, there's a benefit to it. But, uh, if, if you don't have those bodies in the seats at the grandstands, you know, buying a ticket, buying a beer or a soda or a hot dog, um, none of this stuff is going to be possible in the years to come. So, um, you know, seeing the great crowd support, um, that we see at the outlaws is great. Now we just, we'd hope that, uh, all those people come back to the local shows as well and, uh, and show that support. Well, and you know, there's, you know, you hear the saying, there's nothing that beats like dirt in your beer, dirt and, you know, <laughs> in, your, in your soda, soda cup or anything like that. But I'll, I take it a step further. There's nothing like a fan getting up close and personal meeting their favorite driver or, or drivers. I mean, that's the, that's yeah. just the awesome aspect of our sport is how accessible these drivers are. You don't have to buy like, I mean, a pit pass, I guess is, is the only mm-hmm. thing that you could say would be like an extra backstage thing. But, but even after the races, anybody can just go, you know, as long as the driver is in a, in a position to where he's, right. uh, he's able to meet people. I mean, him or her, it, it's, it's so wonderful and it's a beautiful thing. And it's something I hope that never, never, ever goes away. Yeah. That's what's so great about our sport is that accessibility. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you stay home watching on, you know, live stream every single weekend, I think you kind of miss out on that. You kind of miss out on getting to know these, these kids that are growing up, you know, that, I mean, like I say, I was, had the opportunity to watch Carson Macedo, you know, start out just running locally at Watsonville. And, uh, you know, now he's one of the, the best sprint car drivers on planet earth, you know, and there's, there's other kids in California that are coming up that are going to be, be that way as well. So when they get to that point, it's like, I can really say, man, I remember knowing them when they were just, you know, just starting out and watching them when they were just starting out. And if you don't go to the track all the time, you know, I think you kind of lose that connection. So that's, that's what I enjoy the most is seeing, seeing these, these new crop of drivers come up, you know, every year. Sure. Sure. Well, and kind of going back to you, we talked about you getting started announcing and then the PR work and everything. And then for you, you were a major hand in when Golden State kind of went to King of the West with Dan Simpson. You were a major, major part. That was a um, a big, a, a, I would say, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, a big mm-hmm. part in, in milestone in your career. Yeah, I, I look back on that, and that's that's some of the most fun times, you know, that I've that I've had in my entire life. And of course, there was times that were, you know, kind of headaches. But uh, you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad. But uh, you know, I started out with with the Golden State Challenge Series with with John and Robbie Pageant running it, and then um, Alan Pageant took it over for a year or two, and then I kind of transitioned over to to Dan Simpson and King of the West and George Hague, and uh, you know, I pretty much ran the day to day operations down there in Rio Vista with George, and uh, so we really got to do a lot. You know, I mean, we did not just an internet show. We, we handled all the payout. We handled all the points uh, tabulations and everything. So um, that was that was probably where I received the, the greatest education on, um, you know, just what it, what it takes to run a series and, and the different personalities that you have to deal with and know how to deal with. Because, uh, you know, I know some of these promoters, you know, they it's almost a thankless job, you know, but you can't just lash out at a team or a fan that, you know, has something negative to say. You have to do it, um, you know, in a politically correct way. and, sure. and that's just, you know, you learn that over the years, I think, for sure. But, uh, yeah, the King of the West days were, were a lot of fun with Dan Simpson and George. And, uh, you know, we were close with the race team, Dan, and well, several of those guys that I still know nowadays, um, you know, those are basically lifelong friends. Well, and then fast forward to 2017, and you have an incredible opportunity similar, similar to your time mm-hmm. with KWS, which became the NARC 410 series. And, um, on uh, up comes along is the 
Sprint Car Challenge Tour as well as Placerville Speedway for you. Yeah, you know it's it, it's almost it's funny how similar um, you know that first SDCT season was to the first uh, first King of the West season. Both you know both series started out at Antioch Speedway, um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of buzz. We had just uh, amazing support that first year, and we still you know the car counts are still good. But uh, yeah, that first year was 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 pretty special. And then uh, moving over to Placerville, you know, the first uh, couple of years, I was kind of I was just a PR guy where we had uh, Brad Kennedy was still the announcer there. So I kind of took a little bit of a backseat when it came to announcing that year. I think I did maybe 15 shows as opposed to I was doing 30 or 35 a year. So, uh, you know, I was but it was a lot of fun. And Placerville Speedway is is a great little track. I mean, the proximity to my house is great. Just being able to drive 35 minutes up the road um, is pretty awesome. You know, I went down to Hanford last week. And I thought, man, I missed my 30-minute drive to Placerville. <laughs> but uh, no, that was that was a good season, and uh, yeah, a lot of lot of fun times. Yeah, and and you know, the SCCT you still get to still go to get to go to some cool stuff, and then also you, you're able to be a race fan sometimes. You know, we mm-hmm. we bumped into each other at Knoxville, and and then you occasionally get out of the get out of the state a little bit. Yeah, you know, that's, that's always a great thing to be able to do is, uh, you know, I'm not just, I always kind of joke that I'm a race fan that just gets to talk about racing um, at the end of the day. And uh, I'd love to get back up and go to, you know, go to that dirt cup swing one of these years, but we're always, we're always racing down here. I mean, that was, uh, that was always one of the, another fun, you know, time of my life, my mom and I and a couple of friends, we got to go up there um, 10 seasons in a row to the dirt cup and, you know, hit all the races in between. And it's great to see that kind of, getting back into, um, you know, where it used to be, because I think that's an important part of, of our sport out here on the West coast, as well as having everybody as healthy as possible. And what, what are some events that, uh, that are kind of on your bucket list that you'd like to go to, but just, I mean, obviously, you know, being in PR and stuff and, and being dedicated to a track and series, it does, uh, kind of lock you down a little bit, but, uh, what are some events that you'd like to go to at some point in your life? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the same as most people. I'd love to get to Eldora for anything. If it's King's Royal or Four Crown like they have this weekend, um, that would be great. I obviously want to go to Indiana Sprint Week, Indiana Midget Week. Um, had the opportunity to go to Houston two years ago, three years ago for the, the USAC show, um, which was during the Gold Cup, which I, you know, that at that point I didn't have to work the Wednesday night show, so we were able to head back there, and I just had a blast. Um, would love to get back to Houston and see a wing sprint car race, but uh, yeah, there's there's too many to count. I'd say on my bucket list that I want to go to. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely special. And I mean, uh, and you're also involved in some other race. Uh, one of them that's coming up is, is trophy cup at Thunderbolt raceway. Yeah, we're looking forward to that again. It's, you know, that's always kind of like our, our biggest uh, multi-day show at the end of the year when it comes to wing sprint cars. And, uh, we, we talked earlier about the, the cooler weather. That's what I always enjoy. And I mean, there's been some warm trophy cups, but, uh, for the most part, you know, late October, it starts to cool down. You put that hoodie on and, uh, it's just a lot of people having a great time for a great cause. Well, and yeah, speaking of warm ones, the only one I can really remember that, uh, stood out in that department was gosh, 2015. I think they had rained out the previous night, the Thursday, it was one of the first years yeah. they, they went from a three day wing show or, or two day wing show to a three day wing show and Thursday rained out during qualifying and, they started what, like at 11 a.m. And gosh, yeah. that was a long night. I think I got back to the hotel at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I just, I just put my head on the pillow and I think I slept in my clothes. Yeah. 
that was a hot one. I, I do remember there about uh, you know, main event time for that first program or heat race time. People, there was people passing out in the grandstands just because it was so darn hot, and buggy, and humid. But yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a one. Uh, that's a trophy cup we won't forget with that monsoon. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, and I think it had rained maybe even the night before a lot more, and then they it, were, it did, it yeah. did. Yeah, and there was talk about, oh, we're just going to scrap Thursday and just do Friday. Well, obviously, that didn't happen. I think they got through Group A qualifying of the two groups they had, and then they decided, okay, we're going to do this tomorrow. And I think they requalified everybody. So Yeah, that, that sounds right. But I, I do remember waking up that Thursday morning and uh, just the water that was standing around the campground. I mean, people's awnings were, were broken because of how much rain had fallen. It was sure. just... I mean, everywhere you stepped outside the motorhome, it was a, a puddle or a pond. And it was, uh, you got to hand it to Steve Free and the track prep crew for, for getting that one in because I thought there was no way. I, and I remember, gosh, I forgot what the, I mean, I've been down there so much. Uh, I forgot which hotel we were staying at. It was um, over kind of by the Lowe's, like you, but kind of by Apple Annie's, then you cross over. Oh, okay. And okay. It was on the left, some, somewhere around there. But okay. it, it was a drive, right? And I just mm-hmm. remember the standing water. I thought I was like in yeah. Mississippi in hurricane season. Yeah, because here I'm. A, I'm a Pacific Northwest guy, used to storm drains and everything. Lot like lots of storm drains, um, and there was not very many. And that uh, that uh, that definitely was apparent with just standing water in the street. So yeah, <laughs> but I hope I hope we never have to deal with that again it, it's no. anywhere in California. <laughs> that was a, that was a one time occurrence. So although although you guys had a pretty wet and wild uh, winter and spring, yeah, very wet and winter, and we did lose some races earlier in the year, as you know. But uh, you know, after that little spell, then we had some heat. And we had a couple of weeks that were were heated out for the first time that I can remember here. So it, it's it's been a wild year. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anything that you want to add on Gary that I didn't ask you? I mean, this is, this is a pleasant conversation. I feel like we could have a weekly podcast with each other yeah. talking about racing. Just on racing over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything that you want to add that I didn't, that I didn't ask you? I mean, I think everything you hit right there was, was pretty good. But, uh, like I say, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I'm just a race fan to get to get to talk about racing. And, you know, I always enjoyed getting up to your neck of the woods back, back in the day during, uh, if it was a swing to the dirt cup or, or the, you know, the NST races or the, the subsequent series after that, uh, mm-hmm. man, I love going to cottage Grove and, and Medford and some of those places up there. So one of these days, if we get some time off, I want to just come up there and get in the grandstands again. Cause, uh, you know, the West coast, we truly are connected up and down, up and down the coast. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh people that you want to thank that have made, the things happen in your career. I know there's a lot of folks, but, uh, people that you want to think that have, uh, managed to get you in the spots that you've you've been able to obtain yeah there's there's probably too many to count uh you know i mean all the the promoters that that uh, have helped me along the way i've built some great relationships with with all the promoters down here in california that i can uh you know if they need an announcer they can call me up and it doesn't matter if it's uh you know a go-kart race or a stock car race i'm willing to to go help out but uh, i mean on the announcing side troy hennig and, and george Hague were probably two of the the biggest um you know, advocate for me early in my career that kind of really helped mentor me and, and get me pointed in the right direction. Um, you know, all the people that have ran the series that I've worked with, with, with John Pageant, Robbie Pageant, they were both great to me and Alan Pageant, um, you know, Dan Simpson, we talked about him. He was a huge, a huge help in my career, you know, giving me the opportunity to do what I did with, with the King of the West series back then. And then um, John Prentice and Brent Kane, they were great to work with for, for the three or four years. And then of course now with, uh, 
Scott Russell, Cammy Arnold at Placerville and with the Sprint Car Challenge Tour. You know, I've, I've been blessed to work with some great promoters and some great fellow announcers, uh, PR people. And uh, it's been a fun ride, but it's just, you know, it's not done yet. Well, awesome. Well, looking forward to working with you in the future and, of course, talking to you in the future. And it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on and uh, you have a good day. Well, that is going to do it for this interview. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure and hit the like and subscribe button on whatever platform you found this interview at. It really helps us grow the channel, and we greatly appreciate it. In the meantime, we'll be back with more content and interviews in the future. Be sure and have a great evening or a great rest of your day, whatever time you're listening.